It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Oh. Hi. It's going to be a good one today. We uh, have Taryn talking about the history of the something or other. The Disney Company. This there is you go. Number five. Never heard of it. Oh. There have been five of these. I think they started in like, God, 2000. 16 maybe okay it's crazy that this is the good. last installment where we're coming up to to current here. to modern times yep well that's fun i like that a lot yep there's more to it than i expected too so i'm excited <laughs> okay wonderful 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 um god my stupid windows keep closing dude what's going on i don't know whatever uh, before we get to the show, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You can send feedback to Taryn at EarsUp-Podcast.com. Show suggestions goes to Terrence at EarsUp-Podcast.com. You can say hi to hi. Bev. Anything else comes to me, Jason, EarsUp-Podcast.com. Before we get to anything else, I uh, want to remind you guys of our official travel partner, Concy Ears. You can go to concierge.com and they will help you book your Disney World vacation because Disneyland uh, hasn't really figured it, its life out yet, which I'm kind of okay with, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. I'm totally fine with it. Actually, it was uh, messaging with some dude on, on Instagram. And he's like, hey, what about the hotels around Disney World? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I mean, I used to say the bougiest one, and then we just went into the second bougiest one. So <laughs> yeah, we didn't explore here's, anything else. Here's Eric's email. Just call him. I have no idea. I don't know. I can't tell you anything about it. I have no idea. Right. I, I don't but know. they do. But they do. So check them out. Concierge.com. They're good people. They're going to help you make your reservations. They're going to help you figure out the fast pass. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even think they have fast passes right now. I think they have reservations. I don't, I don't know. know. That's how stupid I am about Disney World. Well, maybe so, next time Jeremy's on, he can talk to us about it a little bit more. Yeah, I think he has, like twice. <laughs> and I just don't remember it. Well, because it's not relatable because we don't have a park to go to. I just tune out. That's all. Oh, well yeah. then. It's a personal problem. Yeah, thank you very much. So anyway, concierge.com. Uh, they support the show, so please support them. Uh, Taryn, do we have feedback right now? We do. We do. Uh, this was uh, to me personally. Uh, this is from uh, Parker, friend of the show, uh, written in a few times. Taryn, first off, hi, Bev. Hi. Taryn, you proving Jason wrong about Princess and the Frog music was the single best thing that has happened to me since COVID started. I don't think that's, that's, I don't think that's real. Turn me back up. Okay, sorry. Whenever I'm down, I... Yeah, I don't really think that's real. I feel like this is rude. <laughs> Sorry, Taryn, go ahead, please. Yeah, okay. Whenever I'm down, I will go back and re-listen to these couple of minutes of podcast gold. Gold. The only thing that will make my life better is if Jason starts to love the music from one of the greatest movies of all time as Alice continues watching the movie over and over again. Sorry. Which movie is one of the greatest movies of all time? He's saying Princess and the Frog. Okay, Parker's wrong. Go on. (laughs) And he says, or she. He? She? I actually don't know. Uh, don't worry, Jason. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Winky face. Mm. Love you all. Thanks again for the podcast. We seriously love listening to them. Bye, Bev. Bye. Well, there you That's go. First, bye. 
And that's 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 feedback for this week, okay. or month, or whatever we do this. Got it. Um, you can support the show by going to etsy.com slash shop slash coveyers and buying some cool t-shirts. You can do that from us. And, uh, you know, they've uh, really worked through their backlog now. And so shirts are shipping out pretty quickly. There's no long... Actually, that reminds me. I have to change that stupid message you get in the store. Or it's like, it might take 25 days to ship out. It's, that's not like that anymore. It pretty much ships out in two or three, four days. So um, you can do that over there. That would be very good. The best way to do it is to, uh, by, by it, I mean supporting the show, going to patreon.com slash ears up. Become a Patreon supporter for as little as whatever you want to give, I think. Uh, but as little as two bucks a month, that helps keep the light on. But um, on the $5 a month, we have the secret show. And the $12 a month, we have a bunch of other stuff. So just go over there and check it out because honestly, I'm tired of talking about it. Patreon.com slash ears up. If you do any kind of internet shopping, I think you can use the Amazon link on our archive page. I don't really know. I think we sort of got kicked off of that, but I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, updates. We uh, The new Bantha Milk podcast is out. Um, if you're listening live, it is not out. But if you're listening on a podcast, it is out. So uh, you can go do that until, uh, you know, I haven't, I forgot, I haven't done it yet. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the newest show on the uh, network or whatever, Scraping the Vault, which is available literally everywhere. So go and like and rate it and subscribe and do all the stuff you already know how to do and, and all that kind of fun, groovy things that people do for podcasts. Do that, um, please. New Tiki Room shirts are in the Etsy store, uh, like I was mentioning before, so check that out. Taryn has a new show, House Meeting Podcast, that's about the show Big Brother. That is out, so you can find that and basically do what we were talking about, the Scraping the Vault, is uh, like it and subscribe it and rate it and do all the fun stuff, all the groovy, all the grooviness. Um, God, there's another stupid update I was going to give you. Oh, we're, uh, so we're on Twitch right now. Uh, we're back on Twitch again, but I'm starting to game. I'm starting to broadcast gaming a little bit more over on Twitch. Actually, a little. Bit, I'm starting it. So if you uh, if you are a gamer and you want to watch me game, which is really cool code words for playing video games and uh, and and considering at work, um, check it out. It's uh, Twitch.tv/earsup. Um, you know, create a little link. It's free or account. It's free. Um, and then, you know, follow us, please. That would be really cool. And then, you know, I'll probably, I don't know. I mean, I might, I might stream this weekend. I don't know what usually I'm streaming the Marvel's Avengers game, which is really cool, by the way. You should definitely go check that out. And it's mainly me just making fun of the, like the non-player characters. And, um, you know, when I was first streaming the whole, uh, the whole intro to, uh, to that game, and basically, I'm just making fun of everybody's clothes because it, it takes place in San Francisco. Uh, the game does, and there's like so many uh, capri pants, and I'm like, this is not this is not San Francisco. There's not this many capri pants <laughs> out here in the city, and like there was just there was like Italian loafers with two tone block color block shirts, and it was like this is not <laughs> this is not how anything goes out here. So um, I don't know. It sounds like Berkeley. Doesn't sound like the city. It wasn't even Berkeley, dude. It was like at one point it was like, oh, I'm literally from the Ukraine. I'm coming out here to get a job in tech. Like it was so very Oakland. They're okay. very weird, man. It was just the the clothing is very weird. But you know, what are you gonna do about it? I don't know. Before we get to the show, Taryn, I want to uh, let everybody know that the 21st Amendment's iconic Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer has been a summertime favorite since they started making it in 2000 at their San Francisco South of Market Brew Pub near Giants Park, where baseball is seen and played. The brewers at the 21st Amendment decided to have some fun, and with a nod to the fall season, developed their latest beer, Hell or High Mango. 
So, Bev, you should drink a lot of this. I Hell, saw that. I was like, oh, <clears throat> that's a hard pass. Hell or High Mango is made with real fruit and is sweet, slightly tart, with tropical floral flavors and aromas. It's a perfect beer to enjoy during this fall time of year as the colors and seasons change. Beyond, uh, God. Behind all that great mango flavor and aroma is a wonderful wheat beer with its biscuity, light, bready notes. And at a mere 4.9% ABV is even more enjoyable. Hell or High Mango is available across the counter. Uh, <laughs> See, so I've I've had to read this. I've had to do this read like 10, 15 times today. I, re- I recorded it for our other show and I uh, had to like edit together. So I'm, I'm like like intimately familiar with it. And I'm just uh, apparently now I, I don't I, I'm having a hard time even reading <laughs> because I've got I got all my good takes out, I guess. It's very wordy. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a minute. Uh, Hell or High Mango is available across the country, where 21st Amendment beer is sold. Go out and enjoy a Hell or High Mango today. <laughs> Maybe I'll just play my recording. There you I was going to say, just splice <laughs> yeah. it in. Yeah. All right, Taryn, what do you got for us? Today, uh, we are going to do our final installment. Uh, this is part five of History of the Disney Company, and it's called All the Acquisitions. So we last left off in our history of the Walt Disney Company Part 4 with many interesting changes to the Disneyland Resort, including the atrocious paint job in Tomorrowland approved by none other than Mr. Michael Eisner. Luckily, we start the history of the Disney Company Part 5 off on a better note. In October 2005, Eisner finally gets the boot. And Bob Iger, who is already the president and COO, becomes CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Now, this did not happen by accident. Roy E. Disney, Walt's nephew, didn't like the direction that things were going in at the company in 2003. But unfortunately, the board of directors was filled with friends and allies of Eisner. And Roy's request to extend his term as a member of the board was denied. And he resigned on November 30th, 2003, citing serious differences of opinion about the direction and style of management. Now, not only that, he also circulated a letter criticizing Eisner's mismanagement of the company, claiming that he's neglecting the animation studios, ABC Network is failing, and that his management of the theme parks is lacking in creativity and boldness, among other criticisms. So Roy did not stop there. After his resignation, he established a website called SaveDisney.com, which was designed to oust Eisner and his allies from their positions with the intention of revamping the Walt Disney Company. In 2004, at the annual shareholders meeting, 43% of shareholders, led by Roy, voted to oppose the re-election of Eisner to the corporate board of directors. Now, this percentage of opposition is not usually seen in larger corporations like this, and the push actually worked. Eisner was replaced as board member, but remained as the CEO. Now, what's funny is that Eisner's replacement on the board, George Mitchell, was also not favored by Roy, and his followers uh, voted 25% to oppose his election to the board, but it wasn't enough, and he was still brought in. So they were not liking anything that was going on right now. Mm. It's really weird to me, though, because I felt like Eisner oh – God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It sounds like he did a lot of good things besides Paris. Like no. he kind of rejuvenated – like he expanded into other countries. He tried to rejuvenate the movies. It's surprising to me that there were 43% were like, no, I think we're good. Well, because he did he, – he tried to rejuvenate the movies, but they were all terrible. Yeah, have you watched any of them? They're 
Oh. I thought Eisner was there when the Renaissance happened. I thought mm-hmm. he was there with like the Little Mermaid and the Lion King. I thought he was at Disney. I think those, he was after that. Years. I think he was like the Lost City of like Atlantis guy. Yeah, he was those terrible movies like the uh, I don't know. He was like Hercules and Hunchback of Notre Dame and all that. What? Okay, well then, yeah, fire him. Yeah. So anyway, as criticism of Eisner grew on March thirteenth, two thousand five, he announced his resignation one year before his contract actually expired. Thankfully, four months later, Roy Disney and the board, who were friends and allies to Eisner, agreed to put aside their differences, and Roy rejoined the board as a non-voting consultant and subsequently shut down the SaveDisney.com website. Now, I found it very interesting that he went to that length to get rid of this guy, and he's he, he has Disney in his name. Like, you would think that he'd have a little bit more clout than that, but... Um, (laughs) Along with Eisner's resignation as both a board member and chief executive, he also severed all ties with the Disney company, waiving his contractual rights and perks, like the use of the corporate jet, the Golden Pass, which is a lifetime pass to all theme parks, and an office at Disney Studios in Burbank. He gone. (laughs) The only thing that Eisner did hold on to were his shares of Disney, and at 1.7%, he was the largest shareholder, with Roy coming in second at 1%. Wow. Of course, yeah. Of course, Bob Iger took his place, and one of the first things that he did was repair the otherwise strained relationship that Eisner had created with Steve Jobs over at Pixar. Pixar and Disney were creating some of the most successful films for both companies. Amazingly, with Eisner gone, the relationship was fixed fairly quickly, and on January 24th, 2006, Iger announced the acquisition of Pixar Animation Studios in a $7.4 billion all-stock deal. Now, this deal bumped Eisner out of the top shareholder, making Steve Jobs the Disney company's largest shareholder with a whopping 7% of all outstanding shares and gave him a seat on the board of directors. Now, another major decision that uh, that Iger made when he took over was to completely disband the strategic planning department at Disney, which Eisner put together and took the blame for most of the alleged missteps of the company. Now, around the same time, Iger also reacquired the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in a trade with NBC Sports for anchor Al Michaels, who was a sportscaster at ABC Sports. Imagine getting traded for a cartoon, man. Yeah, very strange. Um, But getting Oswald... Yeah? I met that dude. I met Al Michaels. Oswald? Yeah, I guess I met Oswald (laughs) in the hall of my hotel. No, I met Al Michaels. He's a really nice guy. I told him I loved him. And then I ran away because I was really embarrassed. In the story. Okay. Well, that was a good one. Uh, getting Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back at Disney uh, really set Iger apart in Roy's eyes. There was finally somebody in the big chair who really cared about the Disney culture that his uncle formed uh, the company on. He definitely got a gold star for Oswald. So then, Mr. Acquisition wanted something that would appeal more to boys. With Disney princesses and the success of Hannah Montana at the time, Disney was reaching a vast demographic of girls, but they weren't seeing as many young male numbers. In 2009, after months of talks, the board of directors of Disney and Marvel both approved a $3.96 billion acquisition deal. Now, in this deal, Disney agreed to pay 60% cash and 40% shares to acquire over 5,000 characters, including the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Now, what's interesting is that 
While Disney acquired the intellectual property from Marvel, the superhero company still had three major studio deals in place, and those remained as part of the acquisition. So this meant that 20th Century Fox would uh, continue to make X-Men movies, Sony Pictures Entertainment would continue making Spider-Man, and Paramount Pictures kept Iron Man. Now, of course, having access to all of this intellectual property opened up a plethora of doors for Disney. They would be able to sell products, add the IP to theme parks, and create movies and television series based on the characters um, not already held up at other studio contracts. This was a huge get. And in case anyone out there is questioning the deal's success, last year, Avengers Endgame brought in $2.8 billion, becoming the highest grossing movie of all time. That's not even to mention Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Captain America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they have made out on that deal. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk for a second about adding the Marvel IP to the theme parks. Of course, we all know that Disney California Adventure is in the middle of a land renovation, turning Hollywood land into Marvel land or whatever they're going to call it. But where is Walt Disney World's Marvel land? Uh, They have enough space to make it an entirely new gate, so why haven't we heard anything about it? Well, back in the 90s, Marvel Entertainment signed a deal with MCA, which owned Universal Studios, to open a Marvel-themed attractions at their theme parks. And while they proceeded to build an entire land in Florida and and Japan theme parks, in 2007, the owners of Universal Studios uh, let the rights to the characters on the West Coast lapse. So after Disney acquired Marvel, Universal has to pay royalties to Disney for any IP that are are used in their uh, Orlando parks. But Universal has no plans to offer up any of this IP to Disney to use in their own parks. In fact, the only way for Disney to have a chance at bringing the entire Marvel universe to Walt Disney World is if Universal ceases paying royalties. Now that would void the contract and Disney would be able to grab them up. Otherwise, the rights will stay with Universal in perpetuity. The good news for Disney is that Universal doesn't have the rights to all of the Marvel characters, which is how Disney was able to still build Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. But don't expect any kind of Marvel land in Orlando for the foreseeable future. Now, next up, in October 2012, after a year and a half of negotiations, Bob Iger and George Lucas came to an agreement and Disney purchased Lucas Films for $4.05 billion. Now, as part of this deal, George Lucas received 40 million Disney shares, making him now the second highest shareholder just behind the trust of the late Steve Jobs. Now, Disney received rights to all Star Wars and Indiana Jones characters, which allowed them to create new movies, TV products, which, of course, we all know they did quite aggressively. Mm-hmm. It only took, and it only took Disney six years to recoup their investment. Kathleen Kennedy was hired to run Lucasfilms right around the time of the acquisition and was at the helm when the first three films produced uh, after the buyout made over $1 billion each. The Force Awakens made $2 billion. And Solo, while it didn't do as well, it still brought in $400 million, which is certainly not a failure. Now, Kathleen Kennedy's contract was renewed in September 2018 for three years, so we'll see what happens in 2021. But based on her successes, I would think that her job is pretty secure. Now, backing up just a second. Mm. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah. No, they just announced like last month that they're putting a pause on any new Star Wars movies to yes. figure out where to go. 
Because she overdid it, maybe? I think that she totally overdid it. And there's a lot of people that blame her specifically for how awful the new movies are. Mm, interesting. They're awful. They're awful, and it's and, and it's awful. Oh. She's awful. <laughs> I put her right up there with, uh, no, you don't. with um, Kim Irvine. No. Yeah. I would ra- I would rather I would rather redecorate a room with Kim Irvine than than ra- than watch a Star Wars movie with Kathleen Kennedy. What? Yeah. She's now called the Death Star. Oh my Oh my God. Because she does her job and then she blows up because she does it too well. And oh, then no geez. one likes it and then everyone tries to blow her up again. Wow. Yeah. Well then maybe her job is not secure. No. Which certainly, like, if you were her boss, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it honestly is secure. I think that there's a lot of internal like struggle mm. um, with because you know, like you're saying, the, the movies made money, but they weren't well received by fans, and they were trying to do fan service so much mm. so that they overdid it, and it's like, oh my god, dude, we get it. It's just whatever, and they're actually <laughs> comparing like Mulan to how they did Star Wars, where it's like it looks pretty. But it's really boring. There's mm-hmm. no character development at all. Everyone's sort of like flat and dumb. And it's just, it's bad. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Well, there you go. Hot takes. Yeah. Uh, so now backing up just a second to 2008, there was a project codenamed Next Generation Experience. And it was getting off the ground. Cool code name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really creative. A group of Disney Park executives formed a committee to try to find a solution to a relevancy issue that Meg Crofton brought to the table while she was president of Walt Disney World. Now, Meg asked the team to help develop a system to address various pain points that visitors may encounter throughout the company's properties and may affect the likelihood that they would return to the resorts. Pain points. Pain points. Already right there, that's how you know that you're... That you're doing harm to people. Like you're doing harm to your fan base. You're calling them pain points. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't be roadblocks or incursions or, I don't know, man, something They're like pain, pain points. points. So you know people are, are metaphorically hurting. This sucks. It, your parks are too expensive. Let's just call it pain points. Let's really drive the point home. Well, she's trying to fix it. Yeah. So Sure. Considering a world where smartphones and social media was becoming standard, she wanted to use technology to address these issues and felt that if the parks didn't find a cool and innovative way to do so, they would risk falling behind the curve and may be viewed as irrelevant. The group aimed to address how families navigate Walt Disney World and maximize their time there. The fear was that Walt Disney World was becoming dangerously complex and transactional in its operations. There were long queues, complicated ticketing systems, the need to carry various passes and other items with you. It was, shall we say, not user-friendly. So the committee looked to other sources for inspiration, such as a magnetic therapy wristband uh, that one of the executives saw in Sky Mall catalog and other wearable tech devices. The prototype for this new system were codenamed X-Band. And they were actually created and tested in a lab within the former Epcot Body Wars attraction. So they were actually, like, tested on site, which I thought was cool. One key function of the new X-Band was that it used RFID technology, which allowed for consolidated commonly used functions, including FastPass, hotel room keys, and credit cards, as well as a digital reservation system for both restaurants and rides. Of course, this system received some tweaks, and nearly five years later, on January 7th, 2013, Magic My Magic Plus 
was announced and then on March 30th, 2014, became available to all attendees at Walt Disney World. What a cool name. Can we just talk for a second about how, how bad Disney is at naming stuff? <laughs> like, what's with the plus on everything now? My Magic Plus. It's my magic, but it's like, this is definitely like you're over 45, you're, <laughs> you're, you're going through a rough patch, you're going through a divorce potentially, and this is where your mind goes. We're like, this is my magic Plus, but we're plussing it. This is what my life, I wish my life was. It, plus, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. Well, Magic Band is better because that's what it is. That's what it is, but, that, but the system is called My Magic Plus. Yeah, it's stupid. It's a stupid <laughs> system. It's a it stupid is. name. It is. Yeah. It's better than next generation whatever. Yeah, I don't know, man. Can't you just call it Magic System? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's kind of Mickey's system. Mickey's magic. Magic. Mickey's system. I got it. Mickey's magic system. There it is. <laughs> that's what Plus. it is. That is better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, also around this time. Frozen premieres, becoming the highest grossing animated film of all time and went on to win two Academy Awards. I'm not even going to say what I was about to say. Okay. Yeah. Move on, please. (laughs) Uh, The Seven Dwarfs Mine Train opens at Walt Disney World. That's a badass ride. It's a good ride. That ride was real good. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That ride was really good. (laughs) I liked it a lot. Guardians of the Galaxy premieres, Big Hero 6 premieres, Ant-Man, Inside Out, and to top it off, Disney celebrates its 60th year. Things are going swimmingly. Uh, Then, in another huge move, on April 14th, 2016, Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios broke ground on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, a new Star Wars-themed land. Followed quickly on June 16th, 2016, by the grand opening of Shanghai Disneyland. Now, also in 2016, Disney purchased one-third of the stock in a company called BAMTech. Now, while we wouldn't understand the significance of this purchase for a couple of years, it's worth noting here because Disney had some big plans. Now, moving on to 2017, that was a year of Disney movies with premieres such as Coco, Cars 3, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Star Wars Last Jedi, Thor Ragnarok. I tried so hard to say that normal. Like, I practiced that one and it just didn't work. Anyway. Ragnarok. Ragnarok. I would like one <laughs> ticket to purchase for Ragnarok. <laughs> no, I great, though. am not a robot call. <sighs> Please Whatever. pay me in for Bitcoin <laughs> and I will release your social security number. The warranty you have purchased is expired. Thank you. <laughs> Also Please it- contact us to unexpire your warranty purchase. Also in this year, Disney purchased more BAM tech stock, making them 75% shareholders in the company. Meanwhile, Disney announces a plan to acquire 21st Century Fox. No, it's 20th Century, isn't it? 20th, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, wait, that's not right. Well, they're innovators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, 20th Century Fox. Uh, we don't want 20. What do you got in 21st Century Fox? They're like, it doesn't really exist, sir. I want it. <laughs> now He's like U.S. Bates from the toy. <laughs> I don't care how much it costs. I want it. <laughs> now, Disney purchasing BAM Tech stock and wanting to acquire 20th Century Fox, these two things are very closely related. Mm-hmm. BAM Tech was a technology subsidiary of MLB Advanced Media. Yes, Major League Baseball. Their initial business plan was to be the leader of sports streaming. 
Mm-hmm. They were working on deals with Discovery Communications, a European company who had the rights to the Olympic Games. But after a deal wasn't mm-hmm. reached, Disney swooped in. Naturally, the instinct was to use BAM Tech Service to create ESPN+, a streaming ESPN platform. And while that did happen, it also quickly turned into a much bigger project. Disney Plus was on the horizon. Even with the rights to Star Wars, Marvel, and their own Disney Pixar IP, they knew they were going to need even more content in order to create their very own television streaming service. So, back on the acquisition train, Disney began talks with Robert Murdoch, owner of 20th Century Fox. God, honestly, you know what? They I don't think they, they needed to do anything else. They could just unleash the vault, and they would have tons of content, and who cares? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what? It is 21st Century Fox. 21st is the movie subsidiary. I think 20th is like the over the umbrella company. It's, it's no, 20th. it's opposite of that. 21st, it, 21st is the, is the overarching. And 20th and the, is, is... I think it's 17th Century Fox. <laughs> oh my God. That's right. It is 21st Century Fox. <laughs> MFers out here with lutes and whatnot and tights playing along. <laughs> It's a literal fox. Yeah. It's what you just bought. He, he hit the ball. It went very far. He went to the wall. It went over the wall. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. So 21st Century has film, cable, direct broadcast divisions, all of that. And oh, so man. what they wanted was... Um, I love indirect broadcast, personally. <laughs> what they were including in this deal was 20th Century Fox, yeah. FX Networks, and yeah. National Geographic. The deal would also include film rights to certain franchises owned by Fox, such as X-Men and Fantastic Four, and the distribution rights to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, which were not owned by Marvel Studios and Lucasfilms, respectively, when Disney acquired those two companies. Interesting. So negotiations, while continuing, were stalling a bit, and during the lull, Comcast, Verizon, and Sony all jumped into the bidding war. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, I wonder if that really started more for the broadcast rights for Star Wars. Maybe. And can you imagine being Comcast or whatever and and owning the, the broadcast rights to the first and probably greatest Star Wars movie of all time? Oh, I was wondering. That's the first one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the second best one, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big get. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they jumped into the bidding war. Because Disney owns ABC and Comcast owns NBC and the 21st Century Fox was owned, uh, owned the Fox Broadcasting Company, a full acquisition of Fox by Disney or Comcast would have been illegal under the FCC rules prohibiting a merger between any two of the four major broadcast networks. This is why sorry this is why the deal excluded the Fox Broadcasting Company 20th Century Fox's studio lot Fox Television Stations Fox News Group and Fox Sports Now on December 11th Comcast dropped out of the bidding war and even though there was still some back and forth uh, Disney and Fox finally confirmed a 52.4 billion dollar merger Holy crap Jeez. Now, this deal was a bit different from the Marvel or Lucasfilms acquisitions because 20th, 20th century now, – now is it 20th or 21st? It must be – I don't know. Whatever. It's 21st. Okay. Because 20th, 21st Century Fox was a major company in and of its own, they had to actually fully merge the two companies, bringing executives from Fox over to Disney, and they really had to integrate the two companies. And this took about two full years to complete. 
So this was totally meant to be Bob Iger's last hurrah, his final acquisition. He's done. After postponing four different times since 2013, Iger announced in September 2019 that he was going to be retiring finally from the Disney company. He would stay on the board of directors, but he would pass the torch to Bob Chapek. Now, the puzzle pieces were all coming together. Under Iger, Disney basically bought up the entire world and is finally launching its own streaming service, Disney+. Plus. He's definitely leaving on a good note and leaving Chapek with a highly successful, well-oiled machine. On November 12, 2019, Disney Plus debuted, and it was an immediate hit. Of course, about three months later, a worldwide pandemic presented itself, and the fact that nearly the entire world was now on lockdown for months, this helped cre- uh, contribute to the success of the streaming service and the 60.5 million subscribers that it had as of August 4, 2020. But the pandemic also Hmm. made it very poor timing for Bob Iger to go off and retire. So he didn't. Sort of. Now, in an attempt to keep things as stable as possible, the two Bobs are holding down the fort together. Bob Chapek's title is CEO of Disney, while Bob Iger's title is now executive chairman. These are about the same job for right now. But in a pandemic, having two CEOs isn't necessarily a bad thing. Due to the pandemic, Due to the pandemic, on March 12th, Disney made the unprecedented move to close Disneyland parks in Anaheim, California, and two days later, Walt Disney World followed suit. Disney World opened back up in July, of course, but to a much smaller allowed occupancy, and Disneyland has, as of this day, yet to open. In the three months that both resorts were closed, the company reportedly posted a loss of $5 billion for the quarter. This is due to the resorts shutting down, but it's also because they're not receiving expected revenue from any planned theatrical releases. Iger is now highly focused on establishing the company and creating a roadmap for what the company may look like post-COVID. So far, it seems that his plan is to have fewer employees leading a potentially completely different business model that's meant to provide a way for people to gather safely for entertainment. Whatever that means. So while the future may be unknown, there is no doubt that throughout these past five segments of the history of the Disney company that we have seen this company with the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, I'd put COVID Disney somewhere probably in the middle, and I fully expect them and all of us to come out of this pandemic not only in one piece, but even better and more aware than ever before. And that, my friends, is where we're at today. Good job, Taryn. That was real. I love these. I'm sad to see them go. Like, um, they're just so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, we're up to date. Uh, there's no, there's no more information. <laughs> so, two things. Number one, I never got the inside joke and the toy until right now because I never really understood what his last name was. Oh yeah. So I got that. Number two, weird timing that Disney Plus launches and then there's a pandemic where no one can leave their house and they have nothing else to do but stream stuff. It's true. They knew it. They knew it was coming. It was very good timing. Illuminati, just saying. Oh, geez. March in the past, <laughs> present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. Well, look, since we're talking about the pandemic, let's just jump right into the lead story. Workers in downtown Disney reveal that Disney is covering up its COVID cases. What? This is the hot, this is hot, this is hot I heard news. This. And it's very, very uh, uh, sad and not at all 
uh, unexpected, I think. Mm. In early July, the Walt Disney Company reopened parts of two amusement parks. This is the, we're talking about uh, downtown Disney right now in Anaheim, California. The former reopened to ha- uh, to house the tightly controlled, it's a weird phraseation, controlled 13 week experiment known as the NBA Bubble. Uh, but now we're talking about downtown Disney. Um, though they we opened within days of each other, the two parks worked with wildly different resources. Unlike the bubble, downtown Disney District had no on-site testing. In a letter to the unions in June, I, I should probably turn off the happy music. <laughs> yeah. In a letter to the unions in June, someone said everyone's going to die. Oh, jeez. Inappropriate. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, in a letter to the unions in June, Disney Labor Relations Director Bill Pace called testing, quote, not viable and prone to false negatives. I mean, look, he's not exactly wrong, but I feel like he's, you know, over understating the importance. Just still do it. Um, in spite of the fact that it has been implemented in Orlando, likewise, the district did not contain its visitors, but allowed streams of thousands to pass in and out of the area with little more than a temperature check. But the most alarming difference, cast members told the Daily Beast, involved the district's shadowy contact tracing. Four sources familiar with the matter told the Daily Beast that Disney has kept the total number of positive cases at the district under wraps, alerting unions to only the positive test results of their members, often days after the fact, risking further exposure and leaving workers to guess for themselves why colleagues disappeared for days at a time. Or while 11 people from the 12-person horticulture irrigation team didn't just didn't show up to work for a full week. Huh. Huh. Quote, we want to know if any cast members have tested positive, but Disney has taken the position that they are only going to tell us if our cast members do, said Matt Bell, a spokesperson for UFCW Local 324, one of a dozen unions representing workers or cast members at Disneyland. Quote, what is supposed to happen? is contact tracing. Find out who was exposed and quarantine them as well. I cannot confirm that they've done that. Basically, all of our COVID information has come from word of mouth, said Alicia, uh, the spouse of a cast member who was contract, whose contract prohibits them from speaking to the press. So um, this cast member's wife is speaking in on, on this person's behalf. Uh, coworkers texting each other, coworkers talking to each other, and things that my spouse has seen on the job. None of this is from any of the managers. Disney management is not really officially acknowledging any of this as happening. Hmm. Uh, Matt, who requested anonymity out of fear for his job, has worked at Disney for four years as a plumber. Back in March, he was furloughed with the vast majority of Disney workers cashing out vacation days to make ends meet. I feel you, Matt. Um, this is not, these aren't their real names, by the way. When Disney recalled workers to reopen parts of the park in late June, Matt was not too concerned. He worked outside mostly, often alone. The job already required wearing a mask and latex gloves because of the pesticides in Disney's soil. It looks pretty, he said, but it's a bunch of chemicals. So, hmm. I don't know. Just cause whatever. <laughs> uh, the first week back, two sources familiar with the situation told the Daily Beast one gardener went home sick. The first week back. He had come back to work only to find, after getting tested on his own time, that he had caught the virus from a relative. Two sources told the Daily Beast that Disney did not confirm the positive case until the following Monday, letting one week lapse before his co-workers knew that they might have been exposed. Wow. Do they legally have to? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I don't think that they have to either, but they should. I mean, they're... I mean, I mean, well, first of all, they are unions. I'm, I'm surprised... That 
that they're not because of how protective unions are of, of their workers, right? Yeah. I, it's shocking to me. Hmm. Um, representatives for the workers union did not respond to requests for comments. Alicia did not have faith in Disney's ability to pull off a safe reopening without regular on-site testing, touch-free temperature and bag checks, um, and a strict contact tracing protocol. And that's what I've read in every article from the jump. It's like, we need contact tracing. That's what sort of made it successful in other countries in Europe. And it, it's, it's not here because we quote, like our freedoms, which whatever, whatever that means. Well, it's that. And it's, it's a business nightmare. It's, sure. it's, I mean, we don't do that at my company. We can't. No, if, but, but you have, but you're sort of like everybody's in one area anyways. Like the residents live there. Yeah. But, yeah. but if staff gets it, sure. we can't just have no staff, Yeah, you know, like it, so it, it is a business nightmare. I get why I get the hesitation. Sure. But you're also essential. Like that business yeah, is essential. That is true. Downtown That's Disney is not essential. Not like a, a plumber in downtown Disney is not essential. No. You know I mean? Downtown Sorry. Disney being open and it's not essential at this point. This yeah. is ridiculous to me. Absolutely. Um, Anyway, that's uh, you know that's that's what happens. So that's what's going on. Nobody's talking about it. And the Daily Beast, this this article is like posting screenshots. They got receipts. <laughs> so here's well, here's a screenshot. I know there have been six positive cases and at least six on quarantine, but it just makes me think the ones that will continue to come positive. And the reply is yeah. And if those COVID positive people will even say anything about it once they are positive, the whole thing is just a train wreck. Disney doesn't want to test because it would show just how many of you are getting sick and then they'd have to close, which is what we're trying to achieve. Is there any other info you should think? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um Someone says, blank, hasn't been at work. Disney is expecting him back to work on Monday, but he's positive. And now his wife is positive also. He thinks his kid probably has it also. He says, blank is doing better, but still hospitalized. So he's this person has a family member that's hospitalized. Disney expects him back to work, and but he's, pos- he's testing positive. He, sa- he said a lot more people have it and need to be sent home in our department. And then the reply is, oh, Beep. Thanks for thank you for telling me. I'm really going to keep up my down low game. <laughs> I kid you not. I clock in, get my temp check, and take off in the cart, not returning until after 12:30 when it's just blank in the office. Um, and then people are like, uh, "Yeah, I'm trying to avoid everybody." And uh, there are entire teams that are down that are just quarantined that that go away, but nobody, but the company's not saying anything. The unions aren't saying anything. the The cast members are texting each other. That people are going down, and so you know, hey, if you're if you came in contact with these people, get tested. That's but, something but that it, Disney but, should be doing, and they're not. Yeah, but they're just doing it on their own. Yeah. Jeez. On August second, Wilson alleged in a text message that just five days, five days after he tested positive, Disney cleared him to return to work. At this point, Disney is not a doctor. At this point, Wilson claimed he had not isolated the recommended 14 days nor received a negative test result. Nevertheless, he wrote he returned to work on August 3rd. The following day, according to the text messages, two more members of his 12 person team had gone home. Jeez. Like, this what is a, insanity. What a nightmare. And with, then, with a positive test, Disney wanted him back the next day. And they're, uh, I mean, Let's this just be real. Gross. They're about yeah. to open. I think that they are. I think within the next two weeks, we're going to hear. We're going to. Yeah. That's my. That's my thought. The next two weeks, we're going to hear an announcement of an opening date. Well, and the worst part they're is that rides and they're walking the horses and they're doing all this stuff. What's hard about this whole thing is that 
these people who are getting sick, they don't want to not go to work. Right. Everyone wants to go to work. Yes. Everybody wants to go to work. Everybody wants to make money. Yeah. They, so, so I think that they're also not quite fighting it. Like if Disney's like, come back tomorrow, they're like, I'm going to do my best. Like I need money. And so the, there's no one there to be the advocate for health. <laughs> well, but I mean, I, I think being in the yeah. union, I think they get paid time off for being sick. So I don't know why they're not, they're going back to work the next day. I think you only get so much, though. Yeah. Two weeks? I think you get two weeks. Maybe. It also depends on how strong their union is. Yeah. I and, think it's pretty strong. I mean... We're halfway... Th- we're over halfway through the year. How much have they already taken before this started, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. And before they were laid off the first time, how much had they accrued? Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. You, you want to hear another gross story? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Disney hit by backlash after thanking... Xinjiang authorities in Mulan credits. Disney has publicly thanked a Chinese government agency accused of human rights abuses in Xinjiang for its help in making Mulan, a revelation that has provoked a storm of criticism online. Disney acknowledges several Chinese government bodies in the credits for the live-action remake of the 1998 animated picture of the same name, but a few in particular have raised red flags. The Xinjiang government's policies, uh, policy, uh, publicity department, excuse me, and the Public Security and Tourism Bureaus for Turpan, a city of about 600,000 people, um, just wow. outside of Xinjiang's capital. Disney did not respond to a request for comment from CNN Business to its media inquiry line and to U.S. press officers about the film and the credits. It's not clear how much of Mulan may have been shot in Xinjiang, although people who work on the movie have said on social media and interviews that they scouted and filmed locations there. So it's confirmed that they shot in this region, but they don't know how much, right? Uh, the U.S., and if you're confused... We're, we're, we're going on a little bit. Uh, the U.S. State Department estimates that since 2015, as many as 2 million of the Muslim majority, oh God, you, Uyghurs, Uyghurs, it's U-Y-G-H-U-R-S. Uyghurs? Bob Igers? Bob Igers. No. Bob Igers. Yeah, I'm going to say Uyghur. I don't know. And other Turkic minorities have, I should have, I, I meant to like, Figure that you want, we should figure that out. Uh, and other Turkic <laughs> minorities have been imprisoned in enormous re-education camps in Xinjiang. The Turpan Public Security Bureau has Bureau has been listed by the U.S. government as an organization involving human rights violations and abuses. So Disney thanked the Public Security Bureau that has been linked to human rights violations and abuses for running re-education camps. That's insanity. That is nuts. I do not understand. Holy and this whole crap. push into China, like that's, we were talking about this sort of in Shanghai when Shanghai Disney opened. Like, why? Yeah. Of all the places, I know there's a big population, but they treat their people like trash, like literally human rights abuses. Yeah. And this they is what literally we're literally peeping trash. They're, yeah. They're expendable. Beijing has long defended the crackdown in Xinjiang as necessary to tackle extremism and terrorism and said it is in line with Chinese law and international practice, calling accusations of mass detentions a, quote, groundless lie and a sensational rumor. But there's like drone footage. Like there's a, there's like these people are are might trigger people. People are put into rail cars mm-hmm. by in on trains, loaded up and then lie fi, single file out of these train cars. These cattle cars into these camps. There's footage. There's video. Mm -hmm. But what are you going to do? 
Um, a spokesperson for the country's foreign ministry on Tuesday reiterated its defense of what it calls Jingjing's, quote, vocational skills, education, and training centers. There are no so-called concentration camps in Xinjiang, said China's foreign ministry spokesperson Zhao Lian. Whatever. The establishment of of vocational skills, education, and training centers is in accordance with the law. It's a useful attempt, an active exploration. Uh, Whatever. Um, But the connections between Xinjiang and Mulan have ignited widespread criticism on social media since its release on Friday. Um, quote, it's deeply disturbing that Disney thought it was okay to partner with and also thank government departments, specifically propaganda departments, and a public security bureau from a region in China that is complicit with genocide, said Isaac Stonefish, senior fellow at the Asia Society. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's a gross one. You were right. It's not It's not good, dude. It's, yeah, that's it's, icky. It's not good, man. It's not good. Um, in August 2019, pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong called for a boycott of Mulan after the lead actor expressed support for Hong Kong police on her social media account. Quote, I support the Hong Kong police. You can all attack me now. What a shame for Hong Kong. Uh Lou, I can't even pronounce I don't even know. A Chinese-born U.S. citizen who plays the titular... Hua Mulan posted to her official Weibo account. At the time, Hong Kong police faced allegations of excessive violence against protesters. Wow, man. So, yeah. There you go. So the actress who plays Mulan is definitely towing the party line, is agreeing with police violations of the protests in Hong Kong. And then now you have this. It's, this is not a good look. No. Have you guys seen the movie yet? I'm, um, I'm going to wait till it's free. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I haven't know. heard anything necessarily good about it to I've, make me want to spend the additional $30. Yeah. yeah. I've heard, I, I read some review about it, which is uh, the, the, what I had mentioned about why I, I hear it's a lot like the Star Wars movies where there's really no character development. Yeah. That, the, I've read that article that made that point, and it's like, it's just kind of, there's no exploration at all. It looks pretty, but that's about it. It's, yeah. it's kind of boring. <laughs> My I friend actually, described it as Mulan was. Meh. Yeah. Hmm. Manlon. I heard it was worse because they don't have the Eddie Murphy dragon in it either. Oh, man. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds very serious. It sounds much more serious than the and cartoon. I think it is. is it? And oh, also, yeah. like, how how is Disney going to... How are they going to swing that? Like, wouldn't it piss you off to spend $30 on a movie and then next year it's free and available for you to stream? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you don't have to do it. Yeah, I mean, you can I just guess. wait. That happens with every movie that comes in the theater. Oh, though. that's it's just true. Just wait long enough, and it'll be on Netflix. Okay, that's fair. It'll be on Crackle, and you can watch fourteen <laughs> commercials an hour, but you can watch it for free. Um, let's do another—not really gross, but um, oh, Disney mistake—and then we'll end with something potentially fun. Okay. okay. <laughs> so there was a uh, here. I'll read this article, and then I'll I'll, I'll tell you about it. Um, it's called Disney Parks Support Travel Industry Initiative. Quote, let's go there. Oh. Looking to escape the lockdown blues? A recent study shows that planning a vacation or a weekend getaway can have positive impacts on individuals and families and can even increase happiness and energy levels. Well, of course they are going to pay for a study uh, that course. says that. <laughs> this new study has sparked the travel industry vacation initiative. Let's go there. And like many other places across the nation, Disney is ready to welcome guests back. Today, the Disney Parks blog shared a recent survey showing that 97% of respondents reported having a trip planned made them happier. 
The survey is part of a new travel initiative. Uh, let's go there. Supported across airlines, hotels, whatever. Um, Disney is pleased to announce they are proud sponsor of this initiative. Says wherever you're ready, we're ready to welcome you back. That's what they say. Also, like, no bleeping bleep that right. you're more Having... happy when you have a vacation on the horizon. Like, duh. Why did they need to fund a study for that? Seriously. Also, there's another study. Water is wet. Like, yeah. I mean, like, for real. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Jill Estorino, president and managing director at Disney Parks, Experiences and Products, and co-chair of the Let's Go There Coalition. So there you go. She's co-chair. Okay. Uh, Quote, the memories and experiences that travel enables cannot be replaced. This campaign is a first step in inspiring Americans to think about planning a vacation and encouraging them to look forward to experiencing the wonder and joy and even magic that only travel can offer. I'm sorry, but you don't have to convince me that travel makes you happy. Shut up. (laughs) Like Plan Disney panelist Donnell R. Don. Wow. Don. Don. Yell. D-O-N-Y-E-L-L, Danielle R. Quote, quite simply, the world needs more joy. When little ones light up seeing Tiana for the first time, or parents witness their children find the courage to ride an attraction, or families finally get everyone together in the reunion t-shirt, that joy inspires me as a panelist. Okay, Okay, bro. That actually just stresses me out, thinking about a reunion shirt. (laughs) So, I know, right? It's so stupid. Like, no. So, anyway, so the tagline, whenever you're ready, we're ready to welcome you back. Remember that. So, apparently, Disney posted this on their Instagram page and got blown up. (laughs) People eviscerated them to the point where they deleted the post. Oh, really? They They deleted the post. They never deleted the post. It wasn't Maddie, was it? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Um, Here are some of the quotes. This is, I'm not even going to read the the names. Um, I love Disneyland, but to be... uh, but it would be disgustingly irresponsible to reopen and put so many people at risk for profit. The next comment. What does this even mean? Lol. <laughs> uh, and then people are like, what does this mean? Don't mess with our emotions. Why did I think this was a good news post? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, People just didn't, they didn't understand what they're talking about. Um, y'all had me in the first half. I don't know, whatever that means. Um, Another one, we love meaningless advertising campaigns. <laughs> and so anyway, it just it went on and on to the point where, uh, like I said, they just they deleted it. They deleted the post. And for me, what sticks in my craw is the whenever you're ready. No. Because that's like, to me, that's abuser language. And I know I'm being a little sensitive about it, but like it, it really is. It's like, this is your fault. So whenever you're ready to 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 accept your whatever, we'll let you back out to the dinner. T- I don't know something like that. It's maybe I'm confusing abusing parents, but it's it is. Let's let's put it this way: it's more parental. It's like well, whenever you're ready to accept the uh, the world that it's in now, we're here to welcome you back. Like you're our benevolent. Like they can open already, but we're keeping them from opening. That's the vibe I got. It's like if everybody Definitely. wasn't so stupid. We, you could be here right now giving us more money, but we can't because you're, you're, you're too immature to handle it, which it's they're not far. It, it really is. And that's like, come on, man. Anyway, they got, they got literally destroyed by it. So there's that. Makes that. me really happy. Um, and then the last story, uh, Funko Pops. Da, 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 da. Uh, Disneyland's 65th anniversary Pop Wave 2 
is live, everybody. Earlier this month, Funko and Disney launched the first wave of pop figures in celebration of Disneyland's 65th anniversary. We didn't have, I don't know why I'm yelling. We didn't have to wait long for wave two. Indeed, the happiest place on earth has several new pop figures in its collection, including a Peter Pan pop ride, a Minnie Mouse with a Dumbo pop ride, and a Mr. Toad with spinny eyes. Okay. I don't know. They're cheap. Anyway, you can go on like right. Amazon or whatever and pre-order them. It's, uh, they are cheap. Are they, they look cool, dude. Are they small? Are they tiny? Yeah, bro. They're like Funkos. Like this guy. Oh, they're that's like, not sm- Oh, that is kind of small. Yeah. I did pre-order First one. Of all, you did? Which one? <laughs> not <laughs> Which one did you pre-order? Not one of the Disney ones. Oh, okay. I, I pre-ordered a um what what is it called? It's a uh, Oh my god, I can't think of what it's called. It's like the wow. sleepy thing. It's an older toy. The you, sleepy thing. Oh, the glow worm. Glow worm. They had a glow worm Funko Pop and it and it um lights up. It's like a little oh, night light. Oh my god, it's so adorable. I I couldn't like help it. Used to do. Yeah, like I've yeah. never owned one of these things in my life and I saw it on some article like BuzzFeed thing and I was like, "Oh, I need that." Hmm. <laughs> um actually, I lied. Here's the last one. River Horse Games is no stranger to bring the worlds of Jim Henson to tabletop gaming. Now they're back with Labyrinth, the adventure game. Yes. Which is an RPG for two to five players that housed inside a book that's very much like the one Sarah has in the classic 1986 film. The book contains a full-length adventure set in the world of Labyrinth with over 100 scenes that feature, quote, modular elements for replayability. The game can be played by expert role players using their favorite system or by beginners using River Horse's Streamline Rules. I want that. So is that like a D&D type Deal? Yeah, I guess. I don't really know. It's like a board game, though. It's not a video game. No, it's an adventure game. I don't even think it's a board game. It's like oh. it's a dice rolling game. and I don't okay. know. It's 45 bucks. There you go. I love Labyrinth. All right. I think that's it. Speaking of loving things. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. It's time for me to go watch Big Brother so that I can do my podcast tomorrow. That's true. Is Bye. tonight the night that it... it Somebody goes airs? home? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks a lot, Taryn. You did great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for everybody listening. I appreciate you guys as well. Uh, yeah, if you want to, you know, hang out on the gaming thing. I mean, it sort of also goes to YouTube, but I might just lock it down and make it Twitch only. I don't know. I, I think that's what I'll do because uh, eventually, you know, I need to get my my biddies. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Don't forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer. Hell or high mango. It's Bev's favorite drink. She loves it greatly and dearly, and uh, about as much as I love you guys. Wait, that's not... Wait, that's wrong. Strike it. Reverse it. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. And until next time, uh, we'll see you talking about the parks. (laughs) 